Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast. It's sponsored by Zwift, the indoor training video gaming road to fitness. Used famously by riders in the pro peloton, Zwift is changing the game for indoor training. Structured workouts, group rides, races over endless kilometers of road. Get after your fitness training goals with Zwift. Learn more at Zwift.com to start your free seven-day trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast on uh, this uh, last day of the second week of the Tour de France. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or even subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or from scheduling a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Joining me uh, on this podcast, like every other podcast we've done so far, is my co-host, because he's not co-host, Dave McKenzie. How are you? I'm good. You know what I've just realised? I'm just going to bring it up. And uh, and you're wrong, by the way, because I haven't joined you on every other podcast because you're a machine. You said earlier today, oh, gee, I'm, you know, I'm feeling it a little bit, uh, uh, feeling a bit tired because you're on your 45th podcast or something in a row because you did the World Cup. I keep forgetting you did the World Cup and now you're on your 45th pod. Have you at some point, I've got a question, have you at some point actually called me Fozzie or, or something like that? No, but maybe in my dreams, but I won't go in there. <laughs> oh, definitely, please do not go there. Oh, gee. Hang on, I think I just vomited in my mouth. Right, okay, you're bringing something up. I'm going to bring something up as well. You are on the tour of the laundry. You are the master of the laundry for our team. It needs to be told. Uh, you know exactly where are the laundries in this country. Uh, look, yeah, so or, or the laundromat, I should say. Yes, I am quite proud. I'm very proud of it. And I mean, since the... Uh, you know, since mobile technology has really kicked in, I'll tell you a very quick story. I rode my bike basically from the top to the bottom of France last year with a, a good friend of mine. And I'm, what I did, I mapped out the hotels and I chose hotels that were really close to laundromats. Now, we took all of our gear on our bike, so we didn't have a lot of clothing. I told my mate we'd get to each day and I'd say, hand wash your gear under the shower, wring it out, wrap it up in a towel, that helps dry it. And then we'll, as we go to dinner, we'll throw it in the dryer for 15 minutes. Bob's your uncle. Too easy. And here, I mean, I do like to take control of the laundromat situation and, you know, Google Maps, find it, walking, closest one within walking distance. I bug it up today, though, because I left my dirty washing in the car and I think it's really that dirty. It might have actually unlocked the car and ran away. So I'm, I'm in trouble. So as you understood, we are joined with Papa Laundry in, uh, in this podcast today. <laughs> totally, totally. Right, okay, let's talk uh, cycling. Uh, like I just said in the intro, last stage after two weeks of, of racing, uh, we have therefore another week of racing ahead of us. It's a very much welcome rest day for everyone, including ourselves, but for the riders as well. And what a stage we had today going to Carcassonne. It was never going to be an easy one, was it? And it was always going to be a breakaway, never going to be an easy one. And the challenge... And then the uncertainty for the general classement riders. That's what the transition stages are. The wind was blowing up in the morning, so we were a little bit concerned. And we heard rumours of Movistar and Team Sky on the rollers, uh, like they're getting ready for a you know, junior 10-lap scratch race or something on a velodrome. But um, in the end, the wind didn't really dictate. The peloton was diminished. We talked about it being a bit of truce, Tomo and I, on the live show. But, you know, it was a truce at the end, but it was only... I don't know, 70 or odd riders that came in in that front group, maybe less. So when you think these some of these transitional days, are they look easy on television, they're not at all. They're tough days. And for the guys in the breakaway, there were, what, 20 or 30 riders away. 
you know, you are fighting for victory. You know, this is once in a lifetime. Not Some of those riders may never get the opportunity again to win a stage, may never ride the Tour de France again in their careers. And they, they're thinking about that. You know, they're thinking, this is it. This is my time to shine, get a contract extension, get a bonus, stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that play on in these transitional days and they are not boring at all. So in the end, we have a Danish winner, Kurt Nielsen. Yes, true. Uh, look, Court Nelson, he knew what he had, what needed to be done. He's formerly from Mitchelton Scott, actually. He just left them last year. So he's won stages at the Vuelta Espana, a bunch of sprints. So he's a, he's a proper sprinter. He's not a pure sprinter, but he's quite strong. And you knew on the running, I was sort of urging um, uh, Yoni Zagida and Molima to attack sooner. Like, I think they should have attacked even three kilometres out, even though they had that group chasing them they had a big enough gap and they needed to they needed to roll the dice Molimar and Izaguita because they were never going to beat Court Nielsen in the sprint and they I'm sure they would have known his pedigree and what he was capable of so they played into his hands a little bit and saying that uh, look I think they were just tired as well and um, you know Izaguita did try one attack but Court Nielsen was right under him let's have listen to the winner of the stage Court Nielsen Yeah, I took the front on purpose. Uh, I think it was up to me to uh, to dictate the, the sprint. Uh, I was the fastest guy, and and I just uh, yeah showed them that if they did any move, uh, I would be be ready. And I think it scared them a little bit from from doing anything. And uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking uh, 200, 250 to go. Uh, that was that was the time from there. Uh, I was pretty sure that I could. Uh, To take it uh, to the line uh, so that was pretty much what I did. So that was the winner of this stage here in, in Carcassonne. Uh, altogether it was a very interesting stage. It was and you know the other thing Astana now two from two. Two days ago they were winless and they were probably getting desperate for something because Jakob saying is down in 10th place. He was hoping to push for podium this year so he's still there but he's you know he's not as going as well as what he hoped. So for Team Astana, a big budget squad, you know, they were starting to probably scratch their heads a bit and say, gee, you know, do we activate Plan B? Well, far out. They've done Plan B and C. Two stage wins in two days. That's brilliant. You're such a professional. I'm going to go to uh, Guillaume Thomas, Plan B, uh, uh, which uh, all together most likely becoming a Plan A. First of all, let's listen to Guillaume Thomas. A good day for you uh, today. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, the start was hard and... Uh, You know, a lot of guys wanted to get in the break and it's quite hard roads and the wind and things. But um, the boys controlled it really well. And also uh, on the last climb and into the final, you know, we were well in control. So, uh, yeah, good day. What's your program for tomorrow? Uh, try and sleep as much as possible, really. Uh, short press conference, obviously, and then a little spin on the bike. And then apart from that, eat and, eat and rest. It's always nice to have a rest day and just a day to just completely relax, you know, because... Uh, Yeah, every day in the peloton is stressful, so um, yeah, it's nice to just uh, not have to fight for a day. It will be a big battle in the Pyrenees. Yeah, for sure. Expecting a, a big fight and you know a few long-range attacks as well. But um, yeah, worry about that on a Tuesday morning. T tactically, what do you need to do to keep this jersey to Paris? Well, just not get dropped, I guess. But uh, uh, we'll see. You know, every day is a, a challenge, has its own challenges. So um, yeah, hopefully I can just keep doing the. The small things right and uh, yeah we'll see so what Garen Thomas tactics is not to get dropped obviously I mean uh, thank you captain but uh, the the idea is in his it, we've been discussing this off mic you and me and, and with the crew but more and more and more and more he looks like someone that wants to win this Tour de France absolutely 
Look, every every former pro that I speak to in the compound here, and, and other and other sort of journalists who you know I respect and respect their their opinions and comments. We all say the same. We're all saying, and, and even you, the listener, you, you've only got to, you don't even have to have been a former elite athlete or anything like that. It is human nature, in, if you are in that position, of the biggest sporting event annually in the world, you, you get to this point, you want to win. You don't want to hand it over to your buddy. You don't want to play the, you, you'll, you'll go with the company line, but for now, but you are going to manipulate as best as you can to win it. And look, I think even Dave Brailsford would be thinking the same from a marketing point of view. It just might be a little bit better for Sky that Thomas wins. You just took the words out of my mouth because I want to throw this one out there. When you say he might not be uh, following the company line, or easy. Because when you look at how the lead Sky had going into this, uh, this Tour de France, all the booing that has been happening, if on top of it you get Chris Froome that steals the yellow jersey from his mate, he can't be more hated than anywhere else in the peloton. But now they've got a nice story, the nice underdog still there, the underdog wins it, they're the nice guys, they let him win, Bob's your Gee, Bob, Bob's busy, isn't he? He's, uh, he's, he's, got, he's, he's involved in a few things. And he's every, everybody's uncle as well. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Well, my wife actually had a Bob, an uncle Bob, so there you go. But um, no, it's, tr it's true. And you know what else? You know what else? Uh, at the live post show, we were right at the podium. And, and I mean right next door to the podium. So we could visibly look around and see the guys coming up to collect their jersey, stage winner. When Garrett Thomas got up, and I must say, even he's had a few boos, he got up today, cheers. I didn't hear a single boo. So even amongst the French, and look, I think there's a few expats that live in Carcassonne as well. So I don't think it was a full French crowd. It was a bit of a mix, but majority French. Even the French want Garrett Thomas to win. Isn't that interesting? So how's my idea about this? The fact that Thomas might actually be the plan A from, maybe not from the beginning, but marketing wise from the big home show at, at Sky. That's the good news story. And that's bringing some good lights onto the team, where if Froome wins this, he's going to be like the little bad boy that stole the toy to his friends. He's going to be the little skinny tall boy. Yeah, that, that definitely. No, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Sometimes we can... Um, look, it's an interesting thing, and we're hypothesising about that, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes you think, oh, God, really? Aren't they just racing their bikes and this is how it's ended up at the moment? Or is there a conspiracy theory behind it so maybe maybe not and we'll you know what we'll never know the answer but gee it's good to talk about it and throw it out there <laughs> no but like I, I want to debate this because even if Froome wins this fifth tour here okay he will still have a sour taste in the terms of the team the marketing marketing wise if we talk marketing is ruling the world okay yes in 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 this world marketing is ruling the world and i'm not saying they're asking Froome to slow down but in a way they're also playing the Garrett Thomas card very much so because that could be a good news story. And then Froome, you know what? He's got how many years to win this fifth Tour de France? He's got many. He's not done. He could be there next year and win this fifth Tour de France. He might, but he might never either because at some point they're going to catch up to him. And I think sooner rather than later, they are, you know. I mean, we've got this little angry Tasmanian who's going to come back next year fighting big time, you know, who's desperate to get a result here. And they are all getting closer to Chris Froome. And that's, that was what I was thinking. You know, he's going for the magic number five. 
you know, Bernard, you know, he'd be sort of breathing a little bit easier at the moment <laughs> because he sits on five, Miguel Indurain, you know, and, and RIP uh, Jacques Ancatil, but, uh, and Eddie Merckx, Eddie Merckx is still around, so, you know, I think they'd be happy not to have someone else join them on that step. It's getting a little bit crowded at number five, isn't it? So, yeah, it is all very interesting. I mean, the, and you're right, the marketing does rule the world. Do you think it's a sad thing, though, if, that, if it is the case, and if your theory is correct, do you think it's bad or you think it's a good thing if, if Thomas wins based on the marketing and stuff? I would say for the, the general public, it's a good thing. If we know it's been orchestrated, it's very sad. But in a way, I don't know, choose, choose, uh, choose your battles, you know, better the devil you know. Yes, I mean... I'm just throwing cliches, sentences here. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, uh, let's just throw them out there one after the <laughs> other. Um, you know, look, ideally, and Garen Thomas, I actually like him. I think he's a, a really nice person and, you know, I base it on the interviews and stuff. But but that's the thing. He's a very likeable person. The other one is not very likeable or not very liked at the minute. I'm a sucker to marketing, aren't I? I'm not, I am just hook, line and sinker. I'm thinking that I'm a step ahead, but you're right. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm saying, oh, yeah, no, gee. No, because what I was going to say to the end of it, see, this is where it is. I am different. I want Dumoulin to win. I just uh -huh. think it'll be the perfect. It'll be the perfect scenario for actually the whole sport. I think it'll be a great scenario. Yeah, but that's not on Sky's plan. I think it's not. It's not. You know what? It'd even be better. And, and look, maybe our, our producer would disagree. I'm sure she'd probably disagree with this. She'd say no. I'd prefer Dumoulin. I'd love to see Roglic win. I would love that. A Slovenian. He, he became the first Slovenian to win a stage of the Tour de France. He crashed at what 100. And 50 kilometres an hour off a ski jump, you know, almost lost, lost his life. I mean, it was a serious crash. I've seen vision. Turned to cycling in 2012, wins the 2018 Tour de France. How cool would that be? Yeah, I think it's still a bit far for him, though. Oh, just come on. Just come with me. Come with me on that. But all we know is that we have an amazing last week in this Tour de France coming upon us because there's so much to play on. So much to play on. And you know who will not win the Tour de France but could end up causing help to cause the result? Bardet. No. Bardet. <laughs> Bardet. No. <laughs> he'll, oh, look, he'll help a little bit. I'll give you that. You know who? Dan Martin. Because look at he, he attacked today. Uh, he attacked in the Carcassonne. Uh, Dan Martin, he, he'll just cause trouble. He'll cause trouble. They won't, they won't chase him as much because he's down on time. But someone could go with him, and if you get someone who falters, he could help shape the result of the podium at the Tour de France. Yeah, by contract, I have to uh, nominate Bardet three times in his... No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the French, the French, uh, what is it, the French mafiosa. Okay, talking about the French, uh, Julien Alaphilippe is still in the Polka Dot jersey. We are just at a step of uh, the Pyrenees. Let's listen from uh, Julien Alaphilippe. Julien, um, end of the second week of the, the Tour de France, how are you wearing the Polka Dot jersey? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm really happy, you know. I continue to take uh, day after day. Today uh, it was not uh, an easy one. I feel uh, I felt uh, really tired uh, directly after the start. So, so yes, I'm really really happy that tomorrow it's uh, the rest day. What's the plan? You want to keep this to Paris? Do you have a plan in your head already? Not really. Uh, for this moment, my plan is to to try to recover uh, the maximum as possible. And uh, because it's uh, really hard uh, uh, last week in the Pyrenees, and uh, we will see what uh, what can happen if I can continue to, to fight for this jersey or maybe try to, to win another stage. That, that was uh, Julian Alaphilippe. He's cool. I like Julian Alaphilippe. He's a nice guy. 
Yeah, I think he's cool. I think he's cool. Um, Not sure about the moustache, but that's personal preferences. Yeah, no, no. I think the, uh, I think the, the he, he carries it all right. Carries it all right. Um, but no, no. He's 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 a star. He's a star. I mean, I think we've talked about it already on the pod. Uh, you know, he unseated. Alejandro Valverde at Flesh Wallone this year. Valverde, I think he's won Flesh five times or something. You know, he, he has been unbeaten there in the last couple of editions and Alaphilippe did it easy this year. So we know uh, Alaphilippe is from Quickstep and he could be the other good news for Quickstep this Tour de France with Gavrila uh, winning a couple of stages, but he could be the one bringing a Polkadot jersey back in Paris. This is definitely possible. Uh, so Quickstep, uh, you know, uh, we know how good they were leading to this Tour de France in the classics and, and so on. This could be ending to be quite a good Tour de, a good tour de France with them, even though Kittel left. Yes, isn't it? yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, they, they are a super team. They have been for many, many years. The thing with Alaphilippe, what I will say, he will have to win the polka dot from breakaways. He won't be able to win the... He's, he, to, to get through the Pyrenees and get points, remember the points go up because they're big mountains, so you get extra points. Someone could come from behind who's not even figured in that top two or three at the moment and win that polka dot. So he's got, he, he's got the job ahead of him, actually. Yeah, so right now he's uh, followed by the former uh, winner of this uh, uh, polka dot jersey, Warren Bargill, straight behind him. But he hasn't looked so strong. He hasn't looked very strong so far, Warren Bargill. Even in the Alps, he attacked a few times, but he wasn't there at the at pointy end of the stage where you would expect him to be or where he was last year. So where do you think this polka dot jersey could go? You know, he just comes to mind. Uh, he had attack into Carcassonne. I'm not sure how many points he's got. Forgive me on that. But uh, Rafael Micah. Because if he's got some points, if he's within striking distance, you can suddenly go maximum points on a day in the Pyrenees. You go on a long break, you win the stage, you collect, you know, two Cat 1s and a horse category, bang, you're up there, you're in the mix. And someone like Micah, he can do that. He's won the polka dot twice. He's definitely won it once, I think twice at the Tour de France before. I mean, he's, he's starting to show some legs and he'll be motivated into the Pyrenees and he'll be buoyed by his ride today. He didn't get a result today, but he, but he had a good go and he only got caught. It took six of those guys and three of them w went away to end up challenged for the victory to bring Micah back. So he's obviously got some form. Okay, that's great. So, uh, in a way, uh, we have all together, like I said before, an amazing week ahead of us. It's already the last week of the Tour de France coming upon us. Can you believe this? Last week we were in Roubaix. Next week we'll be in Paris in this time. I know. It's great. I think it's great. And uh, I mean, I think it's great we'll be in Paris. No, I want this to carry on. They should do it four weeks. I was, I was just about to say, our editor, Mark Fallahey, he's like, oh, you just don't want to attend. Let's just reboot, go again. I'm like, settle down, mate. I mean, it's an... It's, you know, we get knocked from pillar to post as well over these three weeks. I want, I want to break the record of 50 podcasts in a row. <laughs> oh, you've, you've looked I'm at... Gonna, I'm going to carry on podcasting even if it's like from my holidays. <laughs> you, you've looked at Wikipedia, haven't you? Podcast world records. and uh, they, Look, there probably is one. We should actually look at it because that would be hilarious. You on your own doing a 30-minute pod talking about nothing. It'd be like that. It'd be like George Costanza on Seinfeld, a show about nothing. Exactly. Uh, what's, uh, what's in for you uh, in the next day other than your laundry? Definitely the laundry, first thing. And Thank God for that. Jokes aside, I've already discovered where the laundromat is in this beautiful town that we're staying in. I've Google mapped it. It's very close, so that's first go. We are going to have a fantastic rest day pod, as always. And I understand we've got a pool. And you know what else we've got to do? Now, hang on. Is it boule or bocce? Bocce or petanque? 
pétanque, les boules. We need to play boules. We need to, I need to, last year, you teach me, you taught me about the wine. I need to talk, to, uh, need to teach you about the, the pétanque. Yeah, well, pétanque, I've got, I've got, I had a set back in Australia and uh, I haven't played it for years. And I like to think I'm actually pretty handy at throwing a few balls around. So you're on. I'm not even uh, talking about this. Thank you, Maka. Uh, it was great to have you in the pod. And then uh, enjoy your rest day and, uh, and make sure you do your laundry. And then we'll see you uh, but tomorrow and your rest day and we'll chat uh, for this tour. Fully recharged, ready for it to go for a big week. Can't wait. Thank you. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast for the day. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash TDF. And you can also uh, schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Um, Until our very special uh, podcast on the rest day tomorrow, it's bye from Carcassonne. Bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Watopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.